Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Didn't take long for the first cider reverse hit, and then the second, and then the third. And then I think we got up to five or six by the end of the night. Maybe not all reverse hits, but just cider reminding everyone that he's massive and does what he wants. As someone who has children, it's a good reminder that sometimes people just don't get the lesson. Isn't it the thing with kids is like you bur- let them burn their hand on the kettle once and then they don't do it again? Yeah, the follow-up with the, and what have you learned? And apparently for the Hawks, the answer was nothing. We'll know the teams who watch game tape. It's been 82 games plus preseason. We're uh, we're still waiting. Check the game notes, bud. Yeah. It is... Uh, at one point in that game, the Blackhawks announcer was talking about you know, they're really going after Cider. Like, that was their game plan. And hey, look, I'm all for that. Like, if there's a guy on the opposing team who's a superstar and is also, you know, throw those, throws those hits and is young, you might be able to throw them off their game. Their Cider size, you have to make sure that you're actually going to do something. And you would see it happen. Like, they'd go to hit Cider and he'd knock him over and then he'd kind of skate away and look back like, what were you doing? <laughs> they probably should have spent some more time focusing on Lucas Raymond. Who? The guy who just lit them up the entire night? Yeah. Man, it's preseason, but felt good to beat Chicago. That was the inverse of the game prior against Washington, where I have legitimately never seen a more uneventful game in recent memory. Ryan, your table's attacking me. (laughs) (laughs) Did you just get stabbed by a little bit of wire? Yep. This is going well. This is great so far. Yeah, and I am already sweltering. How about you guys? I just played hockey, so I haven't stopped sweating because mm-hmm. I am not an athlete. I had a shower in there, too. <laughs> After beer league? Listen. Ryan, for the love of God, you got to be kidding. That is dis- I drive First whole- of all, <laughs> no, you have the worst style. I haven't even seen you play, but it's the picture- that you paint of your gear wear is terrible. You probably wear your undergarments to the rink. No, I don't. My favorite part about sports, my favorite part about golfing is taking my shoes off. My favorite part of snowboarding is taking my boots off. My favorite part about hockey is having a shower after. <laughs> I don't even s- like the activities Dude, you're I so undertake. Weird. You're so bizarre. You cannot tell me that that's not... Amazing. You're calling him weird when we know you home dressed till you were 13. <laughs> okay, that's not true. Ryan's dad still drives from Windsor to come tie his skates. <laughs> I need them tight, okay? No, I'm I'm just usually like after beer league, I'm like, I just need to go. I get in my I that's change disgusting. I change into street clothes, I drive home and I shower. That's disgusting. Is it that bad? It's worse. How? We need Ew. to put out a poll of people who, I mean, there will be a lot of people who won't admit it, but people who shower after beer league at the rink and those who go home. I just don't think every rink's shower facilities are good. None of them are. I would say almost zero of them are good. <laughs> They're all bad. You just get your gear off. You get in two minutes before you run out of hot water. You get that last little brush of cold. Now you're awake. 
dry off, have a beer, go home. Like that is the routine that every beer leaguer signs up for at the beginning of the year. All right, listeners, I'm I'm walking into a fire here, and I, I know I am. But you're, thro- you're throwing out a life preserver. <laughs> you need the non-shower folks to really come to bat them for the you non-shower here. folks. It's a non. I'm losing automatically. Listen, Ryan is reaching out to the unwashed here and praying. <laughs> Welcome uh, to the Wing Wheel Podcast, where uh, I apparently, <laughs> um, next to these two, I'm the weird one, and I don't think that they're wrong for saying that. I'm one of your hosts here to talk to you about Red Wings hockey, the world of the NHL, and apparently my own weird habits, Ryan Hanna. <laughs> I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. On this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we are going to be talking about the Red Wings game that happened, um, well, a couple of them, but the first recap is going to be very short. Uh, we'll be talking mostly about the Red Wings uh, Chicago game that happened last night. Uh, and then we're going to be telling you a little bit about the main storylines, which players stood out, some of the continuing storylines coming from the Red Wings preseason. And then we're going to get into our first divisional preview of the season. And uh, I know we're coming up on the season fast, so we're going to start off with the Metro division, which is pretty interesting. Uh, some pretty key moves coming in there and we're going to see what's going to be happening on the, on the other side of the Eastern conference opposite Detroit in the Atlantic. And then we'll uh, get into some league news and, uh, whatever the hell that is coming out of Seattle. It's staring at me menacingly, their new mascot buoy and then, uh, overtime. So before all that, uh, I want to let everyone know about two things. First of all, winged wheel podcast night at the LCA Saturday, October 29th. Tickets are on sale and they are going fast. Uh, fewer and fewer are available every day. DetroitRedWings.com slash WWP to get your tickets or click the, click the link in the description of this episode. Uh, what that is, is an event that we run in partnership with the Detroit Red Wings, where we host a live podcast uh, with, spe- with special guests, Ken Daniels and Mickey Redmond. Some other special guests will be coming through. Uh, we used to do it from the beer garden right outside the LCA, but... The event has grown so much that uh, we needed a bigger space. So we're going to be just a stone's throw away at Hockey Town Cafe. Uh, there will be food and drinks available for you to buy. Uh, there's going to be merch, giveaways, prizes, meet and greets. Evan has committed to signing 10,000 things there. So uh, I know not all of you will be able to get your stuff signed, but uh, we'll have a Sharpie for you if you are able to pin down Evan. And, uh, oh, of course, getting a ticket not only gets you access to the event, but also gets you access to the Red Wings game against Minnesota. Not only do you get um, Wing Wheel podcast seating sections there, but you also get a special WWP discount on that ticket. And most importantly, a portion of the proceeds goes directly to the Jamie Daniels Foundation. So DetroitRedWings.com slash WWP. And that brings me to my second point here, which is Wings Money on the Board has officially launched for the new season. There's going to be more to come on this uh, in the coming episodes. Uh, but check out uh, wingwheelpodcast.com slash wings, M-O-T-B. Again, that's wingwheelpodcast.com slash wings, M-O-T-B to find out all about Wings Money on the Board, what it is. It's a fundraising campaign that we started uh, in partnership with Prashanth Iyer to raise money for the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Last season, you helped us raise over $32,000. So make your pledge. Uh, some exciting news, and we'll tell you a little bit more about that as we get closer to the season about Wings Money on the Board, but our goal this year is $50,000. We set the bar high. So we hope you can help us. Wingedwheelpodcast.com slash wings, M-O-T-B. 
All right, let's uh, let's start with a quick recap of the Red Wings versus uh, Washington or what Red Wings versus Capitals game on Friday, September thirtieth, wherein the Red Wings lost two nothing and virtually nothing happened. The most notable part of the game was that people had a hard time getting to the stream to be able to watch it. The best part of that game, at least for the players, was definitely after the game when they all showered and went home. <laughs> That's right. I can't even argue with that one. It's not that I never do. You know, it's I sometimes I just think I'm like, that's just such a gross shower. I'd rather just stick it out. Ryan, honest question for you, and I want you to really process this in your head, okay? This isn't gonna go well. No, it's not. <laughs> what part from when you enter the arena to when you leave the arena everything in between isn't a little bit gross i understand that showers are my safe space you know i really like a good shower and i can't have one the only place damper than an arena is the amazon rainforest they're just perpetually disgusting that's my point man i just do it though because i stink you go get your You're a grown ass man. You smell like <laughs> shit after you play sports. I don't understand. I know. I okay. Anyways. <laughs> anyway, what were we talking about? The Red Wings. <laughs> What's the storyline from that game? Like, I don't know. Ed Vinson looked not as bad. He he improved. Yeah. But the game was so like Zadina and Rasmussen, I thought played well. Great. It's a storyline from the rest of it. They lost two nothing. That's it. And you know what? I'm actually going to do a small moment here where I talk about streaming and it's not going to be a lot. I don't believe that statement for a second. Thank you. It is 2022. It's the year of our Lord 2022. And the NHL and the broadcasters involved with the NHL still have not figured out or don't care to figure out how to make hockey game viewership simple for the viewer. I understand i i know it i know it to be true that these are complicated things everyone wants blackouts to go away everyone wants broadcasting to be easy i know it's not as simple as just wishing it away or wishing it to be simple but right now all of those complexities are being offloaded onto the consumer they're being offloaded onto the paying fans who are pulling money out of their pocket to pay to go to games to pay for jerseys to to pay for streaming services, to pay for uh, cable packages, whatever it might be. And it's just not right. There needs to be something figured out to make things as simple as possible. People want to be able to watch the game reliably, and they want to be able to watch their favorite team the way they like to watch them, which is to say their broadcast. There, there needs to be a revolution in sports period professional north american sports period where this is sorted out on the business end so by the time the product reaches the consumer they can do something so simple as go to the same channel or whatever or more commonly now click the same links or the go to the same website and go to the same portal and just watch their team watch the replays watch the clips watch the highlights it's a month. They're losing money. Think of how many people are going to piracy and uh, illegal streams. Yeah, like Yar. so. Not everyone will pay. Of course, there will always be people who do that. Pandora's box is open. You're not going to get rid of that. 
But there are there are there have to be millions upon millions, tens if not hundreds of dollars, millions of dollars, sitting there waiting to just pay for something at a premium that people can access. This is all born of preseason hockey, so I know it's so such a dumb time to be making this argument, but it's just such a like it's 2022 and people are already scrambling to find where to watch the game. Like, oh my god! If it wasn't the NHL, I would. Uh you know, have this long speech about how they should, you know, they're not the, the number one t- entertainment in the in their markets they're in uh, at any time other than maybe Toronto. Well, even then, the Leafs aren't always number one. Um, I'd go on this long spiel about how they need to reinvent their streaming services, capture new eyes, make it easy, battle out against basketball and uh, the MLB because I know they're not going to overtake football. But it's the NHL. It's their, oh. they, their ideas are lukewarm. Their best ideas are lukewarm at best at at all times. The the unwillingness to change and adapt to things that were like a smart idea in two thousand eight, let alone twenty twenty two. Anyhow, that's me. That's just, that's just saying we need more Ken and Mick. Really, that's that, that's where it all stems from. Yeah. I mean, last year, Australian fans had to go through quite a bit when like their services were essentially tossed out the window. This year, Canadian fans who uh, they got moved over to a different service, which is fine. It doesn't really matter. They don't care who the provider is, but now they can't watch. They can't pick the stream that they watch. It's like drives me nuts, man. Drives me up the wall. All right. On a happier note, the Red Wings shut out the Chicago Blackhawks. It was a three nothing final. And man, I know that was Chicago's like not a full roster and I know Chicago's full roster won't be very good this year, uh, but that that was a thumping and it felt good. That was closer to their full roster than any NHL roster should feel like. Um, but yeah, that, no point of that game felt particularly close. There was no more than a few minute stretch where it looked like Chicago had any momentum. Alex Stalock had one of the best games I've ever seen a preseason goalie have and still get a loss. Oh, he kept them in the, in it for so... It should have been 4 nothing by the, the, the time the third period came around. Yeah, and there, it was 0-0 going into the third. So, you know, in preseason, you really don't care about results. So I, I didn't care that Stalock was making all those saves because I was just happy to see key Red Wings players and prospects generating those chances because 9 out of 10 times they're going to go in because you're not going to have a goalie on a heater like that. But it, it was another good sign because a lot of key players on the Red Wings that you wanted to see have a big preseason played very well that game. You know, I, I don't... Was that Joe Valeno's first game of the preseason? He looked phenomenal. Jonathan Bergeron continued his impressive preseason. I wouldn't say he was dominant that game, but... When he was noticeable, he was very noticeable. He makes a couple of passes where like it it wakes you up a little bit. Yeah, you can see why he's known as a playmaker. Like he his vision is fantastic and his execution is even better. He's supremely confident with the puck. There was more than a few times he he was running uh the cycle in the offensive zone going towards the blue line. And then you're you'd see the pressure coming on him, and you're like, "Don't do that! Don't do that! Don't do that!" And then all of a sudden, he'd make a perfect pass to the defenseman or to the slot, and he would do it in a nifty way, like a little backhand quick pass under the triangle of the defender. Just he is good. He is really good, um, and he's been good. Uh, Cross Hannis had his moments where, where you noticed him. Um, 
But obviously the Red Wings top line that game, Verona, Larkin, and Raymond, they were just running Chicago's show. Yeah. They looked good the whole game. And like Larkin, I thought, looked the least good of the three, and he looked good. Like Verona and Raymond, especially Raymond, they looked phenomenal. Um, Before we get to them, though, Kubalik, I think the whole preseason he's played, has just been a pleasure to watch. You know this guy's going to be a weapon. As long as I think he's given the tools and the ice time to shoot, I I really think his what he's going to bring to this Red Wings roster is going to be something that they desperately needed last year, which is someone who just has the raw, natural ability to have and fire a dangerous shot from pretty much anywhere. And is he going to be scoring every game? No, uh, but he's got a 30-goal season under his belt, and I... I could definitely see in the right conditions with the right teammates, him approaching something similar again, or at least from the tools I've seen. I think a complete game package is something that remains to be seen. I don't know how he's going to fare in that regard. Um, I'm hopeful, but you know, this harks back to the conversation I think we had last episode, like Kubelik and Zadina have made for some pretty interesting conversations about what's going to happen in Detroit's top six. Cause, or that third line is going to be way better than we thought it would be. What, what's what been the theme so far? Depth is key. And when you have your depth players outperforming their slot, again, it's only preseason, take it with a grain of salt. But, I mean, this is the audition to see who plays where in the lineup. And, yeah, I guess you phrased it properly. It's going to make for some interesting decisions. Um, before the goals started to come in, what was happening was Cider, uh, and because... I mean, it was the Chicago feed, so we didn't get any replay. It wasn't even actually acknowledged on air. Cider uh, laid a massive reverse hit on someone. It was happened just at the edge of your screen, and you have to listen so closely to the replay, but you can hear the guys, like the air leave his chest. If you've ever been hit that way on the ice, like you, ooh, like you have no control over that sound. That is just your soul leaving your body. And that was Cider with the puck, dished it, and reverse hit, and it's like, well, they, yeah, they didn't watch the tape. And then the, the broadcast acknowledged that the Blackhawks were going hard after Cider, and they showed it on a, a clip where someone went hard after Cider, and he did run into him real hard. Cider knocked him over. And they were just kind of trying to hit Cider at every opportunity. And it, at, at one point, I'm like, you know what? That's not a bad strategy. Like I said at the top of the show, like not a bad way to go about trying to get in a guy's head. But by the end of it, it was they were pulling themselves out of position to finish checks that did nothing to this massive kid who was just smiling with his Calder trophy, laying them out. And then the announcers were calling for like a cider penalty on just like a basic. Well, one of them was. Yeah. Patrick Sharp was just basically like. Sharp was like, no, that's not a penalty. Cider was just shoving guys over left and right. He essentially spent the whole game bullying the Blackhawks, which was fun. And it was very obviously torment for the Blackhawks and for the announcers. So uh, good game on that front. But Jonathan Taves is not the Jonathan Taves of old. There's someone else in that body because it is not the Jonathan Taves I I remember as a Canadian. No, uh, he had a very terrible turnover. I it may have been to Lucas Raymond on the Verona goal, and it was horrendous. It was beer league level. If you're a Blackhawks fan, or if you're a team like I, I don't know, I think Colorado has been rumored wanting to trade for Taves you have to hope that this is him just not giving a lot of effort. He wants out of Chicago at this point. Okay, He knows his time there is done. But let's get to that goal. So Lucas Raymond uh, stole the puck uh, to set up Jacob Verona for the one-timer, and it was just like, what a... So I think it was Kyle 
uh, from winging to Motown on Twitter said like that reminded me of Datsuk, like just willed that, that goal into existence, stole the puck. And I think off of pretty much two Blackhawks stick handled, had a hook on him, fought off the stick check, put it over to Verona for the one-time goal, which was automatic. Yeah. Steal, turn, battle, backhand pass, goal. Just, like from what time of him hounding the puck to time to the time where the puck entered the net was it even three seconds it was the Blackhawks were still trying to find their feet yeah and then went in and it was in so yeah he Raymond looks ready yeah and then not long after that Raymond again the the puck well I shouldn't say not long later in the third period the the Blackhawks thought they were breaking out of the zone Raymond pulled the puck out from free space uh, in the circle turned around Found Larkin alone in front. Larkin was automatic, put it in right away. Had that hysterical pew, pew, pew celebration. That's a sneaky play when the puck sort of, he didn't really change the angle of the pass. He just, you know, put it in a warp drive. Yeah. And just beat Staylock five hole. That's a sneaky play because I think a lot of goalies think the guy's going to just continue his motion across the net. And Staylock kind of put his head up like he got, he got goofed. You want to know what that play reminded me of? Sidney Crosby's yeah. golden goal. Well, yeah. Pretty much the same like level of, of importance as well. Yeah. <laughs> as, I mean, based on how pumped Red Wings fans were last night, you would think so. I'll be at the parade. Don't worry. Yeah. And then Raymond, of course, finished that off. I think he got a, a great stretch pass off the board. So I think it was from Verona. Went down on the break, had a defender on him. And then I think, Brad, you're, you're better off describing this shot with... It looked simple, but it was a great... Um, just an encapsulation of how sneaky good of a shooter Lucas Raymond is. Yeah, when we talk about release, we don't generally mean power. This was one of those ones where at quick glance from a side angle, it looks like a shot, plain and simple. And, you know, a good shot could still beat a goalie from there. But it's kind of, he did that. Austin Matthews release to less of a degree where it just kind of toe drag over. And, you know, a lot of hockey players, even lower level hockey players can do that release. I can do that to some degree. Yeah. And and so can I. But what we, Evan and I, can't do. I can't do it at that pace, at that level with those types of players and those types of goalies. <laughs> what Lucas Raymond did that made it special and that players like Raymond and Matthews can do that make it special is... He wasn't timing his shot based on the goalie. He was timing his shot based on Jack Johnson. He waited till that stick came. I wouldn't say waited, but like when that stick came, he pulled it around the the stick for the shot. And because he changed the angle, that forces the goalie for just a split second in his head think that that puck is changing angle, so you might have to shuffle over. And that hesitation where the goalie doesn't know to go down or go sideways means the five hole is going to be there. And we've seen him. He did it against St. Louis last year. He did it against Buffalo in overtime. When you can fool the goalie to thinking you are changing the angle and you catch him in between shuffling or going down, the five hole is an option. So the fact that he was able to time Jack Johnson's poke check and keep Staylock off balance so that he could get that shot through. That's just the type of mental processing that I'm not even going to say low-level hockey players, that even low-level NHLers just aren't capable of. Because, again, if you take 
the goalie out of the scenario, Jack Johnson out of the scenario, and you put me in Luke and Straman's spot, I can take that shot. But I can't do it with such timing and precision that he did. Because there's a good chance I shoot that too early, Staylock makes a save. I wait too long, Johnson knocks it off my stick. Raymond has done this a lot in the NHL now, where he can just time that pinpoint. I couldn't even get the shot off. So kudos to you two. Uh, that'd be right into Jack Johnson's stick. I'd make Jack Johnson look like a Norris candidate on that play. <laughs> Maybe Jack Johnson should pay me part of his salary. That's play, right. Yeah. Get him a podcast sponsorship. That's right. Jack Winged Wheel Podcast. Reach out. <laughs> sponsored by Jack Johnson's Norris campaign. Uh, some other... So Raymond obviously looked phenomenal. Looked like mid-season form. Um, it's a preseason game. But we're starting to get to that point of the preseason. We're halfway through the games now. <laughs> where the pros, the guys who have a roster spot even coming into camp, they knew that, they're starting to pick up the pace. And I, I think it also helped that Chicago was like getting chippy and going after, I mean, a lot of it was Giovanni Smith. He was in there, they were going after him, and then they were going after Cider. It's like, that motivates you to try, right? If you're playing a pickup or you're playing a beer league game and the other team are just full of a, like a bunch of assholes. Ah, like, uh, yes. You're like... 70% of most teams. <laughs> yeah. You're like, now I want to beat you. And it's like exhibition hockey for the NHL. Like Raymond's not going out there trying to get hurt. He just got elbowed in the face the other game. But the other team picks it up and they, they start to throw jabs and they start to go after your star defenseman. It's like, yeah, now I want to thump you. So it, he looked he looked great and it was awesome to see the team turn it on. And they really did dominate. Brad, you're right. Like Stalock kept Chicago in that for way longer than they had business uh, being in that game. Uh, one other, or, well, actually we should say Kudos to Nedeljkovic and Kosa. Uh, Nedel- Ned played most of the game, had that Lord of the Rings uh, mask, which I love on the on the back. Um, and then Kosa came in, in third, but solid the whole way through. Just a, a good combined shutout for those two. And uh, Joe Valeno, you wanted to to talk about. He trimmed up a bit. He's fast. He mentioned, uh, I think it was Carly Johnston said. Um, he mentioned that he dropped from 215 to 207 pounds because he felt too heavy on his skates. Don't we all? <laughs> my God. I also feel, feel too I've heavy on my skates. I've got a couple cinder blocks in my skates. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he did trim up a bit and he did look faster out there. He looked fast. He looked dangerous. He was making plays. He, was, he had one where he chased a guy down from basically Chicago's crease and stole the puck from him at the Red Wings blue line, uh, turned that around. He, he just was, it was one of those games for him where it just felt like he was everywhere, which is a good sign for a, a player like Joe Valeno, who, who's, you know, billed as a good 200 foot center. When you're noticing him ever, in every aspect of the game and in many good ways, that's a pretty good indication he's probably having a good game and a good impact on the game. And truthfully, should have had a couple goals if it weren't for Staylock. All right. So that's the Red Wings 3-0 win over Chicago. Their next game is uh, Monday at 7.30 against Pittsburgh, and that's at home. And then uh, on Wednesday at 7 p.m. against Chicago, or against Washington, and that's in Washington. And then we'll be back with you on Thursday with another episode. Last four games of the preseason coming up. So Pittsburgh, Washington, and then they have a home-and-home with Toronto on the 7th and 8th. We are getting into the point where more cuts are coming. 
and where roster decisions are going to have to start to be made. So, you know, you're going to think about Soderblom, you're going to think about Berggren, you're going to think about Edmondson, and that'll all, some of those will be later than, than not. They'll leave some of those to the 11th hour, but yeah, we're, uh, we're getting into that time where we're going to start to see not only what the Red Wings roster is most likely to look like, but we're also going to start to see more games like what I think we saw against Chicago, which is the everyday roster players are going to come in and work their butts off and play as if they're NHL ready because this is now they're ramping up to the season. We are 12 days away at the time of recording uh, from the home opener for Detroit. So hockey's coming back, coming fast. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, we are going to actually one other thing. Anyone else nervous about not seeing Bertuzzi yet? Getting there. I know it's early and I know there's no point in, in aggravating a, a complicated thing like a back or presuming it's a back it this early in the preseason, but I'm starting to feel an inkling of, yeah, I really want to see bird out there. Yeah. He, he's appeared in a couple of the wings, social videos appearing no worse for wear. So hopefully it is just precautionary. And you know, if he does have a flare up, truthfully, he, he should not play in the preseason if he does it like last or second to last game at most um just because even if it takes him a, a game or two in the regular season to catch up he, it's still he's still too valuable to risk it so yeah i'm i'm getting there just because we haven't heard any updates yet yeah there's probably no cause for concern but i think i'm just eager to see bertuzzi back i'm eager to see how bertuzzi and cop fit into this lineup too you know, presuming those are both top six players, which I, I think unless they really want Bertuzzi to elevate a third line, that's that's what's going to happen. But they are both going to come off injuries of various degrees, and I, I'm excited to see how Cop fits in, and I'm excited for Bertuzzi to maybe have new line mates or you know less pressure on him to being part of the only scoring line or one of the only productive forwards. So, yeah, I think I'm just eager to see a full cohort of, uh, of Red Wings. All right. Plenty more to come, but before that, I do want to tell you that this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast is proudly brought to you by NordVPN. Are you missing out on a game or your favorite show because it's not available in your region? Let me introduce NordVPN. Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can watch and browse as if you're elsewhere in the world, making sure you never miss a game and can watch whatever content you'd like. No need to travel across the continent or oceans for your favorite team when NordVPN brings them right to you. With over 5,000 server options, no game or show is out of your reach. Using the link nordvpn.com slash wingedwheel, you can receive a huge discount on NordVPN's cybersecurity two-year plan plus four free months. We all love to binge, but privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there's no risk to you with their 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue a refund, and you can pretend the entire situation never even happened. Check out our special link, nordvpn.com slash wingedwheel, to get your subscription started today. So, the Red Wings are in a very tough Atlantic division, but I also think... The Metro is interesting. I think the Eastern Conference in general is a lot tougher, or at least on paper, than what the West might be this year. But the Metropolitan has been 
a mishmash of teams that have been hanging on to being very competitive. Uh, some teams who have had great teams on paper but haven't been able to put it together and and some teams who have turned it around in short order, I think like the New York Rangers. So I'm really curious to see where everything's going to fall this year. This is our Metro Division preview uh, where we take an early look. So a lot of this is subject to change uh, at the teams in the Eastern, or sorry, the Metropolitan Division. Let's start with the Carolina Hurricanes. What kind of offseason did they have and what are our, our expectations for them? They kind of acquired Max Pacioretty. Torres Achilles. Br- briefly. Uh, they picked up Brent Burns for almost literally nothing. And for the most part, kept the band together. They they really didn't downgrade other than losing um, Vincent Trocek. So the big question for them is, Kot Kanami going to be able to step up and fill a more prominent role at center? I mean, they paid a heavy premium for him to do it. So this is his put up or shut up here. Um, beyond that, Carolina's coming back fairly similar. They were a very, very strong team last year with, with the addition of Brent Burns. I can't see them taking a step backwards this year, at least not without some extenuating circumstances. Yeah, the the loss of Pacioretty's tough. They acquired him for nothing, though, so it's not a downgrade on last year. No, but he would have been great to play with Ajo. Right? Oh, it would have been phenomenal. And it still will be. I don't think he's out for the entire season, so he might be back in time for a playoff push. They have to, they really need Kotkaniemi to be a solid <laughs> contributor down the middle for them. I think that's going to be a lot of what their potential success comes from this season. And you know what? They did get good cold tending from Frederick Anderson uh, as long as they continue to do so between him and Antti Ranta and that. I, they have Paul Stastny as well to sort of insulate. Um, Caught Kanami. Yeah. I forgot they signed him. That one came so late in the offseason. Yeah. Yeah, that was, a, oh, I forgot that he was without contract and also playing to a degree. They're, they're a team on paper where projected they should be among the leaders in their division, right? Like they're going to be competing at the top, depending on what the Rangers are able to do. Uh, Pittsburgh, I think is their only other real competition there. Uh, Washington's interesting. I think Washington, and we'll get to this, depends a lot on health and what kind of, what kind of, uh, downturn they have if at all but they're going to be among the the competitors for the division lead well it all sort of came undone for them in the playoffs last year when all of their goaltending was injured right so you know if the the young kids can keep improving which they've shown that they can and they brought in some veteran depth i mean brent burns is still one of the highest scoring defensemen in the league at least top 10 so it's it's relying on the young guys to continue to get better, which they clearly show that they can. And they brought in guys who've, I wouldn't say Brent Burns has been there, done that, but he's been in the league long enough that, you know, you can look at that guy and be like, he knows what he's doing. So it, it brings, allows the young guys to get a little bit more confidence when you insulate them with veteran players like that. Seth Jarvis is also one of the most overlooked rookies last season and young players coming into this year. If Seth Jarvis had a full year um, of production like we saw from him, he would be, I think, much higher in people's minds. He's kind of in Matt Boldy tier for me in that regard. That's another player who I thought I think was overlooked in his rookie year. Um, but he's going to be a force to be reckoned with as well. 
And, you know, I, I think Andrei Svechnikov is another player who has done well over there, but there's this sense that there's just another level to him to unlock, and I think he knows that too, and you kind of see it in his play. I don't think we've seen the peak Andrei Svechnikov yet. No, he's going for the backhand lacrosse this year. Yeah. <laughs> because too many other people are doing the actual lacrosse, the, the Michigan goal, so he's going to switch it up. Maybe he'll do like the whole Zegers flipping it over the net, but he's going to do it to himself and tap it in. Instead of wrapping top corner, he's going to somehow beat the goalie five hole. Yeah. Seth Jarvis got 68 games in last year. Yeah, he played a full season. He yeah. just really cooled off in the second half because he, he came out of the gates pretty hot. So yeah. he gets a full year of production. Not too dissimilar to what happened to Lucas Raymond last year, just to a bigger degree. But yeah, he he's probably a pretty good candidate for 60-ish points this year, I would think. All right, let's move on to the next team, which is <laughs> came with one of the most funny and unexpected storylines of the season. Signing Eric Goodbranson? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Weird signing. Anyhow, Columbus Blue Jackets. Yarmo Kekalainen's team. Somehow the victors of the Johnny Goudreau spoils. To everyone's surprise. Um I don't necessarily have them as a team that's going to be ultra competitive in that division. I don't have them completely out of the mix, but they would be one of the more, one of the longer shots to be in the mix, I think, for a, a true wild card spot. But yeah, Columbus obviously brought in Johnny Goudreau, and that's the biggest, uh, that's the biggest highlight for them. They also, like you mentioned, brought in Eric Goodbranson on a, a little bit of a strange deal. Um, they're a notable team. They are. They lost Alex uh, Texier for the season due to some unusual circumstances, we'll call it. I mean, their goalies should be better than they've performed recently, so you know they might not be the worst candidate to see a bounce back there. Um, God knows what you're ever going to get from Patrick Laine. You almost forget he's in Columbus, but you know if Johnny Goudreau finds something in him, they if Johnny Goudreau can't unlock something in Patrick Laine, I don't think anyone will. Yeah, exactly. We've seen a very good version of Patrick Line in Columbus, though. It's just the consistency for me is... It's not at. there yet. It's, but yeah. He's the most... I'm so glad we don't have a Patrick Line because he would drive you nuts. We did. His name was Anthony Mantha. I was just going to say, if, if... Mantha has not scored at the pace that Patrick Line has. He can go cold for like... 50 games and then in one month have 30 goals. Yeah. 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 Mantha was, did not have the highs of a line, a, but also did not have the lows of a line. A. Did you hate Anthony Mantha? Boy, do we have a player for you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing that Columbus did, and I, I know they needed to make cap space or whatever, but the Bjorkstrand trade is still driving me insane. That was terrible. Good move for, for Seattle. They picked him up for a third and a fourth, but Bjorkstrand is a much better player. Than a third and a fourth. And I, I, you don't know what the dealings are in a back room and you don't know what the situation was at the time. Look how quickly the the environment switched on the Goudreau signing. So I'm sure they were, Kekalainen was working with what he knew, but I just can't help but look back on their offseason and think they could have made a, a way to uh, keep York Strand. He would have been a very big positive player for them. But I know how. Don't sign Eric Goodbranson. Yeah. What was the Goodbranson deal? It was four, four by four or something like that. Four by four. Yeah. It's not ideal. No. <laughs> ah, man. He's just one of those players. I don't know. We've spent all offseason talking about how the numbers hate Sherratt, but it's not necessarily a bad signing, even though it's not our favorite. So maybe there's more to good Branson, but definitely was interesting. They also locked up line A for four years at 8.7 per year. So, I mean, they, they believe in him. 
They also have Cole Sillinger, who looked very good at times last season. Kent Johnson as well. Yeah. Who will be coming into his own. Um, I like Jack Rosovic too over there. I, I don't think he's been great. He's a guy who wants to be there, which matters. The old Buffalo story. Nobody wants to be in Columbus. So a guy that's from the area wants to be there, has some filthy hands. Um, you know, Columbus has some very interesting pieces. I don't think they're going to be very good. Uh, who's their number one defenseman, Evan? I have no idea. <laughs> you don't doesn't ring a bell. It wasn't in my game notes that I was writing down. Zach something. I'm pretty Zach, sure. Zach, what is it? No, I'm not saying it. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Evan struggles. If mightily. Wings money on the board hits 50k, I will. I will say it. <laughs> Evan struggles mightily with Zach Wierenski's name. The marbles in my mouth just do not uh, yeah. uh, do not agree. Where I think uh, ultimately Columbus is going to fall short is they don't really have established depth in scoring. I think Kent Johnson is going to be a wild card though for them. Um, I hope because he's incredibly fun to watch, and their defense leaves a lot to be desired. You know, Wierenski, Boakfist is is probably going to be good presumably on that top pairing with them but after that it just it looks rough they just signed andrew peak for three years i don't know it's a strange deal um columbus is a team that has some things in place i think where they can do well just not this year i I don't anticipate them fighting for a division lead nope jersey one of my favorite teams to talk about in the metro because i think this is a team that is poised to take the biggest jump that people are not appreciating. I think I've heard that for like the past five years, and I, I, until I see it, I'm not believing any of it. The Ferrari of the NHL. Next year, TM is this year, for sure. Yeah. New Jersey's that team I hate. Like Carolina, for a good long time, uh, all, not that long ago, where every year they were the sexy, quote-unquote, sleeper team. And year well, after year after... they were sleeping, after, that's for sure. Yeah. Year after year after year, it never happened. And everybody's like, oh, I, I have the sleeper team this year that nobody's talking about, even though everybody's talking about them. That's New Jersey now. Like oh, Brad Papoot all over my thought. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, and but I see why people say that. A full season of Jack Hughes, the right side of their defense looks incredible uh, with Dougie Hamilton, John Marino, and um, it'll come to me in their debt and their prospect system. There is ridiculous as well. Damon Severson. Yeah. And, um, you know, Jesper Bratt had a breakout season. Nico Heischer is criminally underappreciated whenever he can stay healthy. And they just got Andre Palat from Tampa. They have all the recipes, uh, the, the whole recipe to be a very good NHL hockey team, a team that should make the playoffs. Except in these situations, the one thing that always unglues this whole plan. They looked at the Washington Capitals goalie situation last year and went, yeah, that's how we're going to fix our terrible goalie situation. They're hitching their entire season to Vitek Vanacek and Mackenzie Blackwood. And does that inspire confidence in anybody? Oh man, I can't wait for the Toronto Maple Leaf season preview. (laughs) I, I agree with what you're saying, Brad. They are taking a big risk. I think they're taking less of a risk than Toronto. Vanacek and Blackwood, I think the biggest wild card there that might be surprising people isn't Vanacek. I think Blackwood, there's too much else going on last season. There was the whole thing with, you know, it was a, it was all too public about his 
eventual process and decision, I think, to get vaccinated. And that was the whole storyline in New Jersey. I think it was just a distraction. Things didn't go well that year for New Jersey overall. And I think things just kind of compounded and mounted. I'm not saying Mackenzie Blackwood is absolutely going to bounce back, but we've seen a much better Mackenzie Blackwood than what we saw last season. I think so. There are definitely rumblings. Well, maybe I'm totally misremembering, which is a very high chance. Um, Mackenzie Blackwood being on Team Canada at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. That did I remember that somewhat yeah. correctly? <laughs> Back when NHL players still thought they were going to the Olympics, he yep. was, before the season started, he was on some projections as the third goalie. Yep. Uh, one because he had a pretty decent year before that, but two because Canada has a shocking lack of depth in net. Yeah. As is tradition. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not saying either of them or both of them won't or can't be good, but neither of them were last year, and. Uh, it's a risk for a lot of the same reasons we talked about in Detroit, where they're they're going in with a very inexperienced tandem with Huso and Nedeljkovic. The only difference is Huso was phenomenal last year. Neither of these guys were good last year, so they're expecting a bounce back from one of them. Which, I mean, a team looking to take a step forward is risky because again, New Jersey's roster I really really like. They're young, they're talented, they're deep. They should be good. I know it's not exactly a hot take, but I think Jack Hughes is only going to get better. That contract is only going to age even even better. Between him and Heischer, like that is a fantastic top two centers to have. You know, not to mention the kind of year that Dougie Hamilton probably should have. I, I much like Blackwood, he just didn't have a good year, and we saw a much better Dougie Hamilton in the past. You have to imagine that he's going to bounce back in some way. Unless we have another situation where you have a, like a career great defenseman just drop off a cliff, um, I think it's not a guarantee. But I think New Jersey's, I would I would put them in the fold for the playoffs in the Metro, very very firmly in the mix at the very least. I mean, I agree with you, but that's because in the Metro on a whole, I think everybody's in the playoff mix, but Philly. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I guess it's not insane to think of it, think of that for Columbus. I just, I don't know. I don't really believe in the depth in that roster. I see much more firepower with New Jersey. I mean, they almost, like, they, they didn't almost make the playoffs. They were pretty comfortably up, but they were, what, the ninth or tenth seed last year, and then they added Johnny Goudreau. Yeah. The New York Islanders, Lou Lamorello's team. Are we going to bet against them? They had a lot of. I will. Yes, I absolutely will. They had a rough year last year having to start the first, what was it, like 13 or 15 games on the road? It's hard to come back. From and then that. they got back to home and were still bad for large parts of the season. That's yeah, a tough way to start, I, I think. Well, it's a good thing they made a bunch of additions to really address the uh, the lackluster team that they had last year. They brought in Romanoff. Yep, that'll do it. Problem solved. Rebuild is over. <laughs> they traded for Romanoff, and uh, I hate... Everything happens all in the same day for them. It's so funny. But yeah, there weren't a ton of like... I think another big subtraction is no Barry Trotz, right? It's got to be. Yep. Uh, you know, there are people have been singing um, Lambert's praises for years, so you have to hope that he does well, or you have to imagine that he at least has a good chance to do well, but until a coach does it... TBD. Yeah, you never know. It's the same thing. Like We can all be very excited about Jericho alone in Detroit, but until he comes in and makes a big difference... We're excited about Jeff Blaschel. 
We were excited about Jeff Blaschel. Uh, we were so young and naive. But how high was Jeff Blaschel on the handsome coaches list is why. The memes per 60 list? Oh, man. Oh, man he would have been way up there. All right. Qu- question. I know it's not entirely relevant for solely this season. Behind the San Jose Sharks, do the New York Islanders have the worst cap friendly page in the NHL right now? It's bad. Okay, I've I've said that more than once over the years though, and they've made like conference finals and made me look dumb. No, they're they're okay now. Like they've and they were good when these guys were all in their mid to late twenties, but uh a lot of their money is tied up now in these same guys for a long time who are not the players they were two, three, four years ago. They are in a real bad spot and it's only getting worse. To me, when you look at the Metro, especially for the Islanders, um, who are they? Be- I mean, aside from Philly, who are they better than? I put them above Columbus still. I think they're in the tier with Columbus and New Jersey. The thing is, Columbus and New Jersey have more variables to either lift them or bring them down, whereas the Islanders are a little more steady. They have a high floor. <laughs> I mean, and the and the Islanders have probably the most criminally underappreciated goaltender oh. in the league in Ilya Sorokin, who is phenomenal. Sorokin and Semyon Varlamov, who honestly could start on a lot of teams, I feel. That's a top five tandem in the league comfortably. Uh, Elliot Friedman talks a lot about this. The Islanders get a lot of calls on Varlamov, and they don't deal him because they know you need two good goalies to be competitive. And there are teams who want him for the same purpose that the Islanders are using him for, which is to back up your superstar starter. And there's teams who want him to start for their team. I would not be surprised if Kyle Dubas called him, uh, called Lou about Varlamov for Toronto. The fact that they have Varlamov, you know, Barzell and Brock Nelson's not a bad one-two punch down the middle. Um, Pulak and Pelic, you know, fantastic top defensive pair. I don't think they're going to be kicking down doors. Noah Dobson talked about criminally underrated guy. Brad, you, you mentioned a lot previous about the quietly very productive season he had last season. Um, Romanoff, I think there's more to him. I I don't see the Islanders, the floor falling out beneath them. Brad, big picture here. Like you said, their cap-friendly page is harrowing. At some point, that's got to catch up to them. I just don't know that it's going to be this season. I don't have them at the division lead, but I think they'll be in the mix with the New Jerseys. You know what I mean? I I, I, I really don't see that at all. No, I think the, go- the goaltending for me, it's like Sorokin and Varlamov. I think they're going to bail them out when the other when the rest of the team doesn't show up. They have depth. Uh, that's the Islander strength. They don't have any areas on the roster where you're saying that is a big problem, but they lack star power. They lack game breakers, and every new year, in theory, they're going to be slightly worse because of just how old their roster is getting. What are you talking about? They got rid of like 96 years of defensemen. Was it Dano Char and Andy Green coming off the books? They're probably still one of the older teams in the league. (laughs) All right, let's talk about the other team in New York, which I'm sure is how they're often referred to. Uh, In all seriousness, the New York Rangers. A team who, it seems like yesterday, had an open letter out to fans about the rebuilds. Had a lot of controversy with their owner out in public. Um, people were like, what's going on in this organization? Changed coaches, changed GMs abruptly. And they went to the conference finals last year. And they have 
what I think is one of the stronger teams in the Metro division. That top line or presumed top line of Zibanejad, Kreider, and who do you want to stick on the right side? Kako? Sure. Panarin? They've done an excellent job of establishing their older core to let the younger players that they've drafted at very high positions come into their own and made very key signings in a Panarin to sort of literally rebuild on the fly. Yeah. they. I mean, they they did get lottery luck. They brought in Kako and Lafreniere. But to your they point, haven't, Lafreniere only started to really make an impact partway through last year. It's and still a lot of TBD with those guys. Yeah. Like their season in terms of contenders to me hinge on those two guys more than anything else. Because if we do finally see a step from Kako, if this is Lafreniere's breakout year, their offensive depth is ridiculous and then they have adam fox and keandre miller and you know the best goaltender in the world right now like the rangers are in a position to make some noise now their depth last year left a little to be desired um you know philip hedel got hot in the playoffs and you know their defense well it is what it is beyond the top few guys but you know, Shesterkin is going to cover up a lot of those mistakes. So if Kako turns into a 40, 50 point guy, if Lafreniere turns into like a 60 ish point guy, you look at the Rangers and, and you wonder if Shesterkin's on, how do you outscore these guys? I will go so far as to say if Lafreniere and Kako only get a little bit better, they'll still be fine. So Benichad, Panarin. Kreider. They brought in Vincent Trocek. They won those sweepstakes. It was seven years at 5.625, and that, that's a lot of years for a 28-year-old, 20 but hey, they don't care. You win care. a cup, no one gives a shit. Yeah. Uh, they brought, they're bringing in Vitaly Kravtsov, and you know how good is he going to be? Philip Hedl, like you said, like I think they have cover for those guys to still improve, and you have to imagine it's going to turn around for, for Kako, and I think we're already starting to see it with Lafreniere. We did last year. Adam Fox in the back end. Like you mentioned, Brad, Keandre Miller is, I think, only getting better. All that with a superstar game-breaking goalie. One of the, the best, if not top two, goaltenders in the world. Yeah, man, uh, I this team is, I, I almost want to throw up when I hate when I see people say this, but this team is scary. Like, this team is spooky for next year. It is spooky season. It is. Yeah, like, when you have the best goalie in the world, you cannot be ruled out of for winning the cup. Like no. it's just he alone, and we saw it in the playoffs, can game break. Let's talk about the opposite team. <laughs> Philadelphia Flyers. Um, that soundboard has the fail horn on it, right? Yeah, something like that. That was a very good guess. Thank you. And that is everything I need to say on the Flyers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. People were expecting them to win the Johnny Goudreau sweepstakes because he, you know, from there wanted to be there, and they just uh, they decided not to sign him because it was too hard. Well, they said he's probably not going to be the one to make this team, and you know what? For all the flack they catch, that's actually correct. They're right. Um, so you would think they're rebuilding, but. Right, you don't know. Like they might, despite their best intentions, no matter how hard Torts runs them in camp, they he's already might. killed a man. Yeah, <laughs> that was such a funny picture. <laughs> that's me, like five minutes into a beer league game. Also me. <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't have to. I'm not so concerned about a shower. I don't sweat. 
That's right. You're already deceased. Yeah. Mika decided to recreate that picture. No, she's laying on the ice. That's funny. What are they getting out of Ivan Provorov? They're not getting Ryan Ellis from what it looks like. Couturier may now actually play that still kind of. What are they on their third opinion for that? I don't know. Either way, this team's going to be horrible. Nick Delorier isn't solving all their problems. You would think so with how much they love him over there. Look, I'm a guy who loves a Nick Delorier type player on your team. But when he's the biggest storyline of your offseason or one of. They added Tony D'Angelo too. Yeah, they added Tony D'Angelo. And I th- I, I honestly think he's going to be one of the best parts of that blue line. Like, okay, they have Joel in ha- on In half the rink. Yes. The defense isn't so great. And then yeah, pair but, him with Rasmus, Rasmus Ristolainen. That'll say, solve that. Right behind him is, is Risto. A lot of this is... You know, when people are talking about the Philadelphia Flyers, a very fair argument here is, well, you're, you're compounding issues that have happened over the last few years. You know, the wrist line and signing some of the trades, whatever. Good GMs know how to negate those compounding errors. I, I don't know the direction the Phil, that Philly is going in. Like you said, Brad, like, okay, if you don't want to bring in Goudreau, then, you know, commit what hard the other way. There's so many question marks. Carter Hart needs to be the best player, and he hasn't been. He was better last year, but, I mean, look at look around well at least like a team like philly they benefit from having like a veteran captain who's been around like claude Giroux. oh wait you know what i hate when you can think of a player in that team's jersey and you're like yeah that just makes sense it's like i could never see unfortunately i can never see Connor mcdavid in a red wings jersey it just doesn't make sense but god damn it can i see Connor or uh Connor um, bedard yeah in a in a Philly jersey. I hate it so much. <laughs> that's that's honestly what comes to mind every time I think of them. Is like, okay, if they have a year of pain, but they bring in Bedard. Seems like by all Bedard's numbers here, he's looking to be game-breaking like Matthews McDavid level so far. That that has to be what they bank on. This has to be like a process year, like clean out the culture in that room, like get everyone in order. That seems to be what they brought Torts in for. I don't know that that's the only problem, but yeah. John Tortorella, famous for fixing goalies with confidence issues. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I have Philly near the bottom. Near? Near. Eh? Oh, I, I thought you were talking about the division. I was going to be like, near. Yeah. The Pittsburgh Penguins, Philly's rivals, a team that just refuses to die. I will keep my MO of not betting against Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Um. You know, Chris Letang is there. He seems to defy all aging curves and deterioration of uh, the body at the pro level as, as you age. That doesn't apply to him. They have some really underappreciated players, obviously with Brian Rust, Jake Gensel. I really like the Ricard uh, Raquel pickup from them over the summer or over the, the trade deadline, I should say. He looked good when they torched Detroit for however many goals it was in the final home game yeah. that I was there super hungover for. Because of the goals or, oh, the night before, that's when you went out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With some of the, yeah, with the listeners. If you're a patron, you get access to a version of Evan that Brad and I don't even get Not to see. Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do we feel about the Pittsburgh Penguins? They're getting older. They have to go backwards eventually, right? Do I have a good guess when that's going to happen? Well, as the last three years have taught me, no, absolutely I do not. Evgeny Malkin's daughter had a... Stanley Cup on her birthday cake on um, Pittsburgh all in. They're they're winning the cup. Good for him. If Malkin puts the cup on his child's cake, they're winning. 
I, I agree, Brad. At some point, it's got to turn downwards. But by all indication, Crosby, Malcolm, Latang can't be bet against. Tristan Jari, if he turns out, if he like plays as he can and often does, that's a team that's going to be competitive. And you know what? So often we've seen the Metro shake out where it's like over the course of the year, it's like Carolina, whoever else near the top. And everyone kind of just overlooks Pittsburgh. And they're always there. Um, but their A squad got shit kicked by the Red Wings B team in preseason. So therefore this is the year they missed the playoffs. Yeah, they're washed. I don't know if, if it was a tougher division, I think maybe, yeah, they could be challenged, but I just don't know that it is. I, I have Pittsburgh as maybe a surprise near the top, honestly. Would that even be a surprise? Yeah, I guess not. A true surprise near the top, maybe it would be the Washington Capitals. Interesting team. What's going on? They got a goalie. They do. Darcy Kemper, who, uh, despite many people thinking he was just mediocre in Colorado, and, and to be fair, it wasn't the greatest playoff run we've ever seen from a goalie, but he's been a very good goalie in the NHL for about four years now. Like he, he was putting up huge numbers in Arizona not that long ago. Arizona. So you got to think he'll have a good year. Nicholas Backstrom's injury is honestly the biggest wild card for the Capitals this year, because they still have Mantha, Oshi, Ovi, Kuznetsov, Carlson, much like Pittsburgh, getting older. So who knows when that's going to catch up to them, but the no Nicholas Backstrom's uh, a big X factor for them. And again, is this year they decline? I don't have a good feel for it. It's it's coming. It's going to happen eventually, but I think the Ovi chase is going to keep them motivated so that they'll at least, you know, still be a, at worst, a, a playoff contender to the very last day. Tom I mean, Wilson's also out to start the season. Right, Every, everyone's favorite villain. Yeah, I think for me, for Washington, it's going to be they cannot get in a hole early with those two notable injuries. Um, because I really don't think Washington got worse. Like they got a little older in terms of just the calendar turning over, but adding Darcy Kemper is filling the position of need that they had and yeah for me it's just they can't let those two injuries set them back so far at the start that they can't overcome it to make the playoffs i like the strong pickup as well which which one dylan is that the good one yes okay (laughs) i will never remember (laughs) yeah he was a guy who we talked about for the red wings like maybe he's they'd pick him up uh coming over from chicago um you know, we'll probably play down the middle for them. Can also play, I think, on the left wing. And yeah, I they they're not world beaters, like you mentioned. Like they didn't make a lot of moves that to say that they're going to get like immensely better, but it's not easy to be missing Backstrom, one of the more underappreciated playmakers of his generation. But yeah, as long as they have Kuznetsov, Ovi, Tom Wilson, don't forget about Mantha over there. Who knows what kind of season he's gonna have? Uh TJ Oshi. John Carlson still always looks bored, yep. but somehow is very good. I don't, I don't understand at all. Former Red Wing Nick Jensen still That's in right. the blue line, and then yeah, like you mentioned, Brad Darcy Kemper, I, a good goalie is going to keep you in games. And if they get a version of Darcy Kemper that's as good as he's been his most of his career, then it's too early for me to put Washington out of the mix. Okay, time for some predictions. Your standings. Let's just skip Philadelphia. Is that what we're doing? You're everyone's putting Philly at the bottom. Absolutely, yes. Philly, Philly, Philly. Actually, you know what? No, it's going to be Philly. Yes. Brad, which way do you want to go? Eight to one or one to eight? I do not care. Dealer's choice. One to eight. No, eight to one. <laughs> Philly. Okay. 
<laughs> Am I going through my whole list here? You certainly are. All right. Um, again, this is to me the most wide open division. I legitimately could see all seven of these teams finishing in any seven of these spots if if things break right for either team. Um, that all being said, I'm gonna go with the Islanders here. Okay. I just I don't like the roster. They're getting older. It's got to go. Of all the teams primed to fall back, it's probably them. They got boosted by great goaltending and, and great coaching last year. If Sorokin takes a step back and Lane Lambert isn't Barry Trotz, it, it could be a rough year. I mean, this is the year they make me look silly and, and finish first in the division. But you know, I'm, I'm I'm getting ahead of it by saying division's wide open. Six. I'm gonna go New Jersey. As good as I think they are, I just I can't buy into that goaltending tandem until I see them do well. I'm just going to assume they're not. Uh, five, I'm going to go Washington. Okay. I'm going to go Washington. I just, Backstrom and Wilson, that hurts. Backstrom especially. Um, you know, Kemper's good. Their defense is all right. But I think they're a team that generally deals with injury problems and age isn't going to help that. So... It's never the same. I'll go Washington fourth. I'll go Columbus. I mean, Johnny Goudreau is Johnny Goudreau. Uh, they have a lot of depth at forward. If they can get just adequate defense and goaltending, they should should be primed to have a pretty good year. Um, and again, just things change. I'll, Columbus will be the team that I think is the quote-unquote surprising team this year. Uh, three, I'll go Pittsburgh. Self-explanatory. Two, I'll go the Rangers. Again, self-explanatory. And one, I'll go Carolina. Okay. So Brad has Carolina, New York, Pittsburgh, Columbus, Washington, New Jersey, the Islanders, and Philly. Evan, eight to one. Eight is Philly. What's next? After that, I am going with the Islanders as well. Okay. A lot of what Brad said, but also I think I took the Islanders to win the division last year so they can be near the bottom. Mm -hmm. I would say the bottom, but Philly is absolutely (laughs) worse. Um I'm not really sure about any of this, but I'll go with the Blue Jackets right. for the inverse of what Brad said. Um, after that, I will go with the Devils. I think their team is too good, and they'll just will themselves ahead. Um, who do I got left? Hurricanes. I'll say the Caps. Um, I mean, even if Backstrip comes back in a decent timeline, and his timeline is indefinite, it's a hip injury, and that is not easy to overcome as a player. Thank God he's an immaculate passer, so he'll probably come back okay. But that's a tough injury to overcome. The surgery that they described that he needs is the kind of thing that puts people out of physical activity for the rest of their like lives, typically. Maybe I have had that, and I just wasn't aware of it. <laughs> yeah, you were asleep. Yeah. You do seem like a deep sleeper. Yeah. Yeah, Catherine hates it. I get like nine hours uninterrupted. And she's I need like, you to shut up right now. She, she always says, how many times do you think you wake up at night? And I say one or two at worst. And she's like, I wake up seven. Anyways, where were we? You, you, Who do I got left? The playoff three teams? Yeah, you're, you, you're at uh, the last three. I've got uh, Rangers, Hurricanes, and Pittsburgh. That's right. I'll say Rangers. Oh, okay. And it has nothing to do with the Rangers other than I am the biggest Chris Letang fan out of nowhere mm-hmm. after watching him play last year. That guy is never going to age. 
No, he's what we all strive to be. He is like the trademark, like original offensive defenseman who can also play a little bit of defense. Like he doesn't beat you with speed. He's just, it looks effortless. You know, he's a, a physical freak in the gym. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you have Pittsburgh second or first? Second. Okay. I'll do Pittsburgh second, and then I think Carolina's team is is quite well-rounded. I mean, they don't really have any holes to me. It's just the young guys taking a little bit, bit more of a step this year. Goaltending staying healthy. I don't see how they don't win the division. All right. So Evan has Carolina, Pittsburgh, the Rangers, Washington, New Jersey, Columbus, the Islanders, and then Philly. I'm also going to take Philly eighth. Train wreck, probably in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes, not a surprise. Um, I think Columbus has made some interesting additions to their team, but I still am not seeing the kind of depth uh, that they need to be anywhere above seventh, maybe sixth. Um, but I have them at seventh here. I have the Islanders at sixth. And you know what? That's a team that could make me look stupid. Again, I've talked about how betting against them in the past hasn't gone well. Um, you can bookmark the islanders into the playoffs now that we have all predicted them to not as is tradition uh and then i am gonna you know take a leap of faith and this is probably going to be the team that pushes the islanders up when i'm wrong but i'm going to say new jersey does turn it around and they're better than what they were last season they have too much low-hanging fruit in front of them to correct in terms of goaltending um and their young players and their set the very important young players and the addition of plot are only going to make them better um i have new jersey fifth and i would not be surprised to see them higher but now that i said that like you said brad they're going to finish near the bottom um washington fourth and when i talk about new jersey maybe going higher they would be at the expense of someone like washington for the injuries that these guys talked about but for now as it stands uh, they do have a significant amount of firepower on their team and i i have belief in their goaltending as well um the top three i feel pretty confident in though i have pittsburgh third i you don't bet against crosby malcolm tang I don't know that it's enough for over an 82-game season, those guys to be going all out and, you know, be not only just staying healthy but committing wherein that they're going to finish at the top of the division. But I think they'll get there to the playoffs. I'm going to have Carolina second. Carolina is probably the favorite to win the division. They're just still, to me, a young team in a lot of ways that is finding their form. And I know it's been a long time for them. But it, it's not a quick process in the NHL, and I, I still think that they have to kind of figure that out. How's Brent Burns going to fit in there? If Patch Reddy comes back, when is it? Is it just in time for the playoffs? Are they going to get the same kind of goaltending from Freddie? It all remains to be seen. But I, I think they're pretty reliably near the top. And then didn't they win the division last year? Yes. And then I have New York <laughs> winning the division because I think the New York Rangers are only going to further capitalize on all the things that went well for them last year. And I really am a big believer in what Lafreniere and Kako can do. Even if it's half as much as they should, I think that'll be a big boost to the team. So my final standings are New York, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Washington, New Jersey, the Islanders, Columbus, and Philly. If you like to bet, just pick the opposite of what I did. Pretty much, yep. Congrats on your money. Well, you had the exact, you and Evan had the exact same four playoff teams as last year. Yeah. Well, it's because nothing ever seems to change in the NHL. No. <laughs> uh, us trying to pick hot wild card picks or like our our uh, hot takes in the NHL just changing at a snail's pace. Yeah. yeah. I kind of picked Columbus just to change it up in some way because in the salary cap era, do you know how many times in either conference the same eight teams made the playoffs back-to-back years? Once. 
It hasn't happened. Uh, you know what? That's actually believe- very believable. Columbus could, in theory, just go absolutely nuclear and, and make the playoffs. Like, they've got two guys who, like, if Patrick Liney scores 50 goals this year, I wouldn't even be all that surprised because you, you see Johnny Goudreau there and it all would make a little bit of sense. Being the centerman on that line is going to be the easiest job in the NHL. I still think Columbus's offensive depth is really underrated between Goudreau, Line, Roslovic, Sillinger, Johnson, Jenner. Uh, I'm definitely forgetting somebody important there too. Like if only Nike, Ryan Nyquist. had it up to help you out. Yeah, Nyquist. Like they can't. They're going to be able to roll three dangerous lines. And you know anything in the NHL, like every night it's almost a coin flip on who's going to win the game. So if if those two guys go nuclear, I really do think they can make the playoffs. Nuclear. Oh, my God. Jakob Voracek, who put up like 70 points last year. I completely forgot he was still in Columbus. The Philly diaspora is so funny. What the hell does that mean? (laughs) I don't speak good, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like um it's when people like uh leave their homeland on mass okay yeah yeah okay maybe i should read a book yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyhow yeah that's that's a really good point uh Vorchek was overlooked i don't know i i i'm probably too low on columbus i'm probably wrong about everything that's you know yeah, I've doomed Columbus to somehow finish below Philly now. I know how this Patrick works. Patrick Line is now finishing with 10 goals because I just said that he's going to go off this year. Patrick Line scores his first goal around Christmas. All right. Let's uh, very quickly get into overtime here. Overtime on the Winged Wheel podcast is probably brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Uh, if you want to know how this show runs during the offseason and gets ramped up for the new year, Plans things like Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA in partnership with the Detroit Red Wings and runs Wings Wings Money on the Board. Your Patreon supporters are how they do it. So patreon.com slash Winged Wheel Podcast. If you want to join the Dub Dub Club, get access to the WWP Discord. Uh, get your comments read out on uh, either this overtime or the Patreon exclusive one. Um, ticket giveaways, a ton of other great benefits. Uh, we encourage you. Patreon.com slash Winged Wheel Podcast. Okay, uh, interesting question here from Coyote Season Tickets in Tempe, and this is probably going to be you know, a topic in future episodes. How do you guys see the Jason Robertson and Jacob Chikrin sagas playing out? Robertson, I'm not looking too much into. I think, like most scenarios, it ends in the most simple way imaginable, which would be him just signing a contract with the Dallas Stars. What's that contract going to look like? I have no idea. With his age and where he's at towards UFA status, there's a lot of options there. Chikrin, I, I think there might be a little more giddy up on just because I, I believe he actually said recently, like, trade me, get this over with, or take me off the market or something along those lines. So, yeah, I, I know Arizona doesn't really care about this season, but you can't have, you know, one of your star players just sitting there pissed off in the room the whole season. Yeah, I think I saw some quote. It was like he exp- said that he wanted to be traded last year. didn't happen. He said, I'd be open to it again this year. I mean, very fair. <laughs> I would too. <laughs> but it's never a good thing when one of your best players, who might be the only reason why you would watch an Arizona Coyotes game this year, is it saying having those sorts of clips 
publicly. Um, next question here from the patented Pesic Piss Missile says, lightning round, would you rather? You guys ready? Yes. Go. Maddie Beneers or Mason McTavish? Mason McTavish. Maddie Beneers. Mason McTavish for me. Jake Sanderson or Simon Edvinson? Jake Sanderson. Sanderson. I'll say Edvinson as a cop out. Uh, Trying to get some of those non-shower folk back on your <laughs> or shower folk back on your side, eh? Matthew Kachuk or Brady? If it's a nice shower, I'll shower. Those don't exist. It does not exist. I Are know. you kidding? Matthew Kachuk or Brady Kachuk? Matthew. I'll go with Matthew. I'm I'm on Matthew as well. Ooh, Prime Pavel Datsuk or Prime Pavel Bure? I can't. That's tough. Datsuk. For familiarity's sake, I'm going to say Datsuk, but I know that is leaving one of the most dominant game-breaking players in the NHL. That's fine, because you still have one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, prime, yeah. Datsuk's one of the prime great game-breakers. The the phrasing for Pavel Bure would be one of the five greatest goal scorers in the history of this league. I mean, the, uh, the answer is Datsuk, but I... God, do I love Pavel Bure. Is it Datsuk, though? If you remove our Red Wings colored glasses, is it Datsuk? I, I think so. That's an interesting like, one. Like, people who didn't watch Bury in the 90s, like... This was a would-you-rather. I thought this was a lightning round. Yeah, that's true. Or is that it? Shredded cheese poutine or Velveeta chunk poutine? I'll I'll let you answer. Yeah, for this me. one's just for Ryan. Uh, I'll, I'll do the Velveeta, I guess, because I know the shredded cheese poutine is not good, but I'm not happy either way. What if it's shredded cheese curds? Why? What if it's shredded Velveeta cheese? <laughs> shredded cheese curds is fine, but just like, why would you do that? I don't know, but this is a lightning round. I apologize. <laughs> um, this one's from our friend Joseph. Fournier. Oh, it's over. <laughs> Never yeah, mind. Sorry. <laughs> Joseph, your question, your name got truncated here. Apologize. Uh, it says, my dudes do not catch the norovirus. It sucked. I hope you're feeling better, man. That's brutal. It goes on to say, it looks to me that the top candidates right now for the bottom pair left D until Wallman returns are Comfer and Sobrango. Both have looked solid defensively and have shown more consistency than Edvinson and uh, Johansson, although uh, Ajo, as he refers to him, had a great game last night. And uh, Osterley and Hag are just a couple of nopes. Stay fresh, cheese bags. I mean, the most likely, unfortunately, are Osterley and Hag. Yeah, there's they're going to, I think, um, eke towards... NHL experience and some familiarity there. They saw what Osterley was able to do last year, which, I mean, he didn't set the world on fire, but he played NHL games for them somewhat reliably. Was he good? I don't know. Not on the balance of a competitive NHL roster, but I think Johansson's much more likely to go down. I don't know. I could see Sabrina winning the spot. I think that's a long shot as much as I love Sabrango. Okay. Jeremy Dahl says, do you prefer the home or away jerseys? I personally really enjoy the main white with the red. I think they're so aesthetically pleasing. I like the homes better. The red just pops. I'm a red. I'm a home jersey for any team for the most part. That's my default too. But every time I look at the wings away jersey, I'm like, man, we don't actually have one up here. I realized Um, it is just one of the cleanest jerseys in the NHL. Uh, did you guys see, well, you both saw the picture that and I'm Eric posted on Twitter? That was ridiculous. 
was Brad or Evan that, and I in turtlenecks. In the front. longer I looked at it, the funnier it got. <laughs> Evan and I in turtlenecks in front of a fire with a cat between us that also had a turtleneck on. <laughs> to the right of us was a Brad Crisco framed Alora Rocks jersey. Yes. <laughs> to the left of the television was a framed picture of Brad holding a cat with a super <laughs> zoom on the cat. And on the TV behind us was a was William Hung from American Idol. <laughs> it was real. It was real. <laughs> that's that's how they get Evan's, that picture. <laughs> yeah, that's just Evan's living room. That was <laughs> no words. There are no words. Eric has a question. Uh, given that Smith is likely an afterthought, where does our raw physicality come from up front? We have guys that have grit, tenacity, and can be tenacity and can be aggressive, uh, like Burt Perron and Zadiz Nuts. But who's our physically imposing player that other teams will be wary, wary of, like Probert, McSorley, or Brashear? Or do we just let Mo and Sherratt beat the piss out of everyone and hope that's enough? That's the answer. The the age of the the goon type, whatever you want, are, it's done. It's over. You can't have those guys anymore. You just can't. You need to be able to play four lines. Um. Yeah, I don't really have a better way to explain it. It's just you can't. You're better off not. All right, time for a couple more here. CNODS says, hey, Wing Duel Podcast, I think even if you score on a delay penalty, you should still get the power play. The delay is not the same advantage as a full penalty and would lead to more offense. Also, on all bench penalties, the opponent picks the person to sit. Imagine getting to sit Sider or Headman when they have too many men on the ice. What do you think? Take it to the rules court. Uh, the first one, yes, absolutely. That's a no brainer. I have no idea why that's not a rule. Um, the second one, I'd have to put more thought into it, but I'm intrigued. Generally when you can like have the other team handpick players, there's just some sort of like a fun, chaotic energy to that. Oh, the NHL is definitely not doing that. No, never in a million years. Yeah. I'm in favor of both, but yeah, I, I think the NHL would only practically. I think even the first one would be too radical for the well, NHL. Well, and scoring goes up, and players get paid more. Like we can't have that. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Okay, time for one more here. Joseph Barry says, "Hey boys, wondering what your opinions are about Detroit maybe offer sheeting Jason Robertson. Do you think it's worth it, or does it not make sense for the Wings to do it? And if the Wings do sign him in Dallas, doesn't match. How much does that increase of our chances of maybe making the playoffs this year?" The amount of money you would have to pay him for Dallas to not match is not even going to be close to worth it. Dallas is in pain, though. Like, if it's a long enough contract... They have so many ways to get out of it, though. Yeah, the salary cap is fake. They get rid of Kudobin, they trade another guy, they buy a guy. Like, they could do it in a heartbeat. Like, you'd have to pay him $11 million to the point where Dallas doesn't want the player for that price, which would be insane. It's better off for Detroit to help Dallas make cap space. If they didn't have Huso, I'd say, yeah, take Udobin for them. Okay. Uh, We're going to wrap up and record our Patreon exclusive overtime. Uh, It's a little late here. So here's our schedule coming up. We have Thursday this week, and then the Red Wings season preview is not coming on next Sunday, so it's not a week from today. It's a week plus a day. So the Red Wings season preview is coming on Monday, October 10th. So our next two episodes are on Thursday, then Monday. So just so you're aware, again, get your tickets to Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA, DetroitRedWings.com slash WWP, and check out the Wings Money on the 
Wings Money on the Board campaign to help us in our goal of reaching $50,000 raised this season for the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Visit wingedwheelpodcast.com slash wings, M-O-T-B. We'd like to thank all of you for tuning in. All of our listeners, new and old, uh, the sponsors of this episode, NordVPN, uh, all of our patrons, our name-level sponsors, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Akefer, Nick Perks, Terry Driver of the number 69, Crying Ryan, Hannah's Banana Slam at Jamathong, Matthew M. Rice, Brandon M., Carl Brutanananaluski, Chimmy, Chris Ball, Chris P., Citizen High Five, Connor Scovey, Coyote Season Tickets in Tempe, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Elite First Scoring Line, Scott Dork, Sleeve McDykel, and Bobson Dugnut. That was the Joseph's name that got truncated. Give Blood Fight Probert, Hassam Al Qasem, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Kaylin Wood, Kevin James, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Marcus, Matt McKay, Nadelkovic, goalie number one, Nicholas Fritz, R.A., Ryan Hanna, Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Zachary Rogers, General Andy Bohan of the Cheesebag Army, Sam Bankson, Adam, I wish I could finish like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landeskog is a Stanley Cup champion, Ben Barron, Brian Vasha, Connor Leighton, Darren Fick, Dave W., Philip Zadiz Nuts, In a Vacuum, It's Fine, and I'm Evan, James Laporte, Jeremiah Dobo, J.M. Rhapsody, John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Linda Hull, Logan Burgos, Matt S., Maximilian, Melissa Erickson, No, I'm Evan, <laughs> O. Ophelia, Papa Woody, Puck Norris, Reed, Ryan Hanna's Good Doppelganger, Thick Rick, and Winter of Rathmussen, Two Bundle Up, TM. It's pretty good. Talk to you guys Thursday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.